Hello and welcome to Discipleship, the Hard Sayings. I'm your host, Darren Laws, and I thank you for joining us. Um, today we're going to kind of kick off our study through the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation. Uh, just kind of do a brief little overview of chapter 1 to kind of set the stage of where we're at um, as far as the book of Revelation goes. Uh there's a lot going on in the church today that's probably not very pleasing to our Lord. Um, it's kind of a sad state for the church. Um, this day and age, it seems to be chasing after the world and coming up with all kinds of methods and gimmicks and and uh, just ways to try to either get people in the door or we present them with half of a gospel which is no gospel or watered down version um we just live in times now where where christians really need to to stand on the truth to stand on the the firm foundation of jesus christ and the whole truth and um this world is is lost and it's dying and it's it's going to come to an end and that should give us some sense of urgency. And uh, we might do well to um, not please men, but to please our Lord. And if we do that, we may not be very popular in this world. And that's okay, because the time we have in, on this earth is like a vapor. Uh, if you're allowed to live 80 years of life on this earth that's uh just a, a a very quick blink of an eye in light of eternity so i guess the question comes with if we're believers what is it that we're going to do with this short amount of time that we have are we gonna follow through with matthew 28 and uh, the great commission and go out and make disciples and uh take the gospel out to this lost and, and dark world or are we going to sit in our homes and just be all comfortable? Or on our church pews and uh, talk about doing things? Uh, but the thing with all of that is to go out and evangelize. We need to be in the Word of God. We, we need to know the gospel, uh, the whole gospel, from beginning to end. Uh, why we need the good news. We need to know what the bad news is. Because one day, as we're going to see here in Revelation, Christ is going to return. Except when he returns, he's not going to return meek and humble and, and gentle. He's going to return in full glory. And uh, it's going to be quite a time. Uh, so as we, we start in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, Revelation, of course, is... An apocalyptic book, uh, and basically it's just an uncovering and an, or an unveiling or a disclosure. It kind of depicts the progressive and immediate unveiling of the otherwise unknown and unknowable God to his church. Uh, it's a prophetic book for the most part. Uh, we have a little history here in chapters 1, 2, and 3 dealing with the churches, and then after that this is all future events that will take place, and they will take place soon. We're not sure when, but we know that times are drawing to an end. 
And as this end gets closer and closer, we should increase in our urgency with every day that goes past, uh, not only to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but to have a stronger desire to get this gospel out in this world, uh, that our Lord might save souls. Romans 10:17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to go out and proclaim this gospel with our mouths. And we need to do it with urgency. Uh, so the book of Revelation was written approximately between 94 and, and 96 AD on the island called Patmos. Uh, because that's where John, who is the author who wrote the Gospel of John in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, he was on the Isle of Patmos because the Roman authorities had sent him there because of his, his basically because of his preaching of the Gospel. And he tells us in chapter 1 and verse 9 that I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the Isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so that's why John was there. And while John was there, he got this revelation. Uh, and this is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapters uh, 2 and 3, we're going to look at the seven letters. There's seven letters that were to seven literal churches in Asia Minor. Uh, that would be modern Turkey today. And these are seven real churches. Uh, they, they would have been in order according to a postal route uh, that ran in that day. It is also uh, written in the present, making its letters relevant to the church today. So as we go through these churches, I, I hope we all can learn uh, and be edified by it. And uh, maybe take a look at our own lives as well as the churches we attend and maybe we can see how they're lining up to what our Lord Jesus Christ has to say about these seven churches. Uh, the book of Revelation is first and foremost a um, revelation of Jesus Christ. The Gospels unveiled Christ at his first coming and uh, humiliation as a humble servant and savior one who would come. Uh, Isaiah 53 tells us of, of this humble servant. It was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah uh, that he was going to be a, a humble servant. He was going to be mocked and scourged and beaten, spit on, and ultimately crucified for the sins of those that are his, and would be buried and resurrected and sit at the right hand of the Father in glory. And all that indeed has come to pass he is today sitting at the right hand of the father uh, in ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 he tells us that which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places and in romans chapter 8 and verse 34 he says who is he that condemneth. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, and who also maketh intercession for us. 
Um, what an amazing statement that is, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who has ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us today. It's hard to wrap your head around that thought, um, but I think we might should think about it a little bit more, and that might increase our reverence for our Lord. Uh, we tend to to hold him a little to a little lower esteem than we should. Uh, we don't strive enough, I don't think, for holiness. Uh, we had a Bible study last night going through Thessalonians, and in chapter four. Uh, we're working through chapter 4, and we made it to verses 1 through 8. But verse 7, he says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And sometimes I think we don't interpret holiness properly. We're not going to go into that into in this segment, but maybe one day we will. Uh, because holiness is what we should be striving for. Um, not our our own self-righteous kind of holiness, but the holiness of the Scripture that God demands of us and commands of us uh, that we live holy lives. Uh, he said, Be holy, for I am holy. So getting into the book of Revelation, it reveals Jesus Christ in, in several different ways. And uh, we'll kind of just kind of skim through Revelation and just see how it reveals Christ to us. And, and chapter 1, verse 5, He's revealed to us as the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. In chapter 1 and verse 8, He is revealed to us as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Chapter 1, verse 13, He's revealed to us as the Son of Man. And in chapter 1, verse 18, He is revealed to us as the one that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And in chapter 2, in verse 18, He is revealed to us as the Son of God. And in chapter 3, in verse 7, He is revealed to us as the He that is holy. And he that is true. And in chapter 3 and verse 14, he is revealed to us as the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And in chapter 5 and verse number 5, he is revealed to us as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And in 6 1, he is the Lamb who is worthy to open the seals. And in chapter 7, verse 17, He is the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne. Chapter 11, verse 15, He is revealed to us uh, as the Christ, and He is His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And in chapter 19, in verse 11, He is revealed to us as the faithful and true. He is the righteous judge. 
and he is revealed to us in chapter 19 and verse 13 as the Word of God. And in chapter 19 and verse 16, he is revealed to us as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In chapter 22 and verse 16, he is revealed to us as the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So John's got this revelation of Jesus Christ and he, he's writing all these things down for us so that we can know what's going to happen and what's coming. Uh, it's really amazing that we serve a God that not only tells us how everything begins, but he tells us how everything is going to end. Uh, that's an, uh, an amazing thing, and uh, I don't know if we sometimes just don't register that in our minds. Uh, as we go about our lives as believers, and we get so wrapped up in the worldly things, and, and all the things of this world, become they're so appealing to us, and and draw us in but the most appealing thing we should ever be able to think about is the Lord Jesus Christ he was in the beginning according to John chapter 1 uh, you know in in the beginning was the word you know, and the word was with God and the word was God the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not and i love when we get to verse 14 it says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and this is the same lord jesus christ that came as a meek and mild and humble little baby born into this world lived on this earth lived a sinless and perfect life and was mocked and scorned and spit upon and beaten and ridiculed and ultimately crucified on a cruel roman cross for the sins of all those who would believe upon him and he was buried in a tomb and then on the third day to show that his sacrifice was pleasing to the Father, he rose again and was called up to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father to intercede for the saints. This is absolutely amazing to think about, uh, to dwell on it, to really ponder what this gospel message is and to ponder who Jesus Christ is. Um, he's the Savior of those that believe, and he, he, He's coming back. You know, and if He was to come back today, what are we doing? Uh, what would He say to us? What are we doing right now? Um, you know, are we striving to live that holy life that He calls us to live? You know, in righteousness and, and, and growing in the knowledge of who He is that we can serve Him and please Him. And, and hopefully, at the end of our lives, uh, we can hear, hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, because we really sometimes don't think we live like He's coming back. And He's coming back in glory. He's not coming back as this 
this humble little lamb, but he's, he's coming back in full glory. It's going to be an exciting time for those that know him uh, as we eagerly await his return, but it's also going to be a time of dread for those that don't know him. Um, because our Bible tells us that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess Jesus as Lord. He is Lord. He's Lord whether you think so or not. Uh, we have a misconception sometimes that we make Jesus Lord of our life, and, and that's a, a big misconception because He is Lord whether we think so or not. Just like the Scriptures are the inspired Word of God, whether we believe it or not, doesn't really matter. It doesn't change the fact that they are, in fact, uh, the Word of God. So here in Revelation 1, and chapter 1, verse 1, uh, we have this revelation. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be the glory and dominion for ever and ever. And behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth, shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Verse number 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And, it is, and, and his feet, like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Unto me fear not, 
I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. It's an amazing little chapter, and we're not going to we're not going to spend a lot of time in chapter 1. Um, the purpose of these studies is going to be to get to the seven churches, uh, but I thought it was important just to briefly run over chapter 1 a little bit. Uh, and we, we have here an image of Christ coming and Jesus Christ uh, among his church in verses 14 to 16. He said his head and his hair were white like wool, and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. That's a picture of Christ among his church. Uh, in one of the commentaries I read, a MacArthur commentary, he has a little chart in there dealing with uh, this description of Christ and, and what, what it means in reality, uh, where it says that his head and his hair are like wool and white as snow is, is Christ's holiness. Um, his eyes like a flame of fire is Christ's all-knowingness. And feet like fine brass refined in a furnace. Christ chastises sin in the church. And as a voice is the sound of many waters, uh, shows us about Christ's authority. And his right hand holding the seven stars is, is Christ's control of the church leaders. And out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword, Christ's judgment on the church's enemies. And the countenance like the shining sun is Christ's glory. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thing to know that Christ is among his church. He loves his church. He gave his life uh, for his church, for his bride. Uh, so as his church, I think we really need to put our focus back to his word uh, and start doing things the way that he said to do them. I did a podcast, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, uh, dealing with that issue of worshiping our God and worshiping Him the way that He desires to be worshipped. And, and I think we need to really get back to that. I think we need to open our Bibles a little more and, and study them maybe a little more uh, and understand who our great God really is and, and rekindle that love that we that might start growing cold over time. Uh, maybe we're like the church at Ephesus and lost the first love. Uh, perhaps, you know, we're getting cold. We need to rekindle that love for Christ. And the best way to do that is to read His precious Word and uh, just see His glory on every page. Uh, scriptures are absolutely amazing 
and uh, maybe John here fell down at his feet like a dead man, but that's the response, man. When, when people understand who Christ is, who God is, and His holiness and His glory, which is revealed through the Scripture, and then His Holy Spirit reveals it to us, and John fell down as, as a dead man. You know, Genesis 17:3, Abraham, at 90 years old, the Lord appeared to him and he fell on his face. Uh, Moses and Aaron both in Numbers chapter 16, verses 19 to 22, both fell on their faces when the glory of the Lord appeared. And one of my favorite passages in Isaiah 6, uh, 1 through 7, you know, Isaiah pronounced a curse on himself when he saw the glory of the Lord. Uh, and in Ezekiel 1.28, he saw the glory of the Lord and he fell on his face. And Paul in Acts 9.4, he fell to the ground when the light from heaven flashed. And even Peter bowed down and, and, and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to depart from him because he was a sinful man. Uh, because all of these saw the glory and, and holiness of, of God. And my prayer and my hope is as we study these seven churches that, that it might reveal again to us the preciousness and the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. That precious, precious blood, every drop that was spilt had purpose and that was to redeem His people with the highest highest cost ever that's how much god hates sin he hates sin in our lives and we should grow in that hatred of sin that's part of our sanctification but if we're not spending time in the word of god if we're not spending time in prayer and if we're not looking upward to the heavens but are so focused upon the things of this world sin's just going to permeate in our lives we're never going to grow in hatred of sin. We're just going to say, well, I'm just a sinner anyway. I can't help but sin. And I'm not as bad as so-and-so or the world says this is okay. And that's the whole problem in our churches today is the world has infiltrated the church. And I think as we study these seven churches that we might see some of that and we might see the rebuke uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to those churches who were not obedient. And we also might see what happens when a church is obedient. Uh, the world might not love them so much. Uh, you hear a lot today about churches, how, you know, when, when those that are lost, they just love this church, they love going, to, they even go, um, and they're lost. And that tells me that the Word of God is not being proclaimed like it should. Because it is, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's going to have its perfect work. And if it's being proclaimed and preached, uh, if anybody lost is sitting on the pews, God's either going to save them or they will have a desire to leave. Um, because they no longer want to hear and be convicted of sin in their lives. Um, so it's very important we get back to the Word of God.
because it is. It's, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and, and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The intents of the heart. I have a Puritan theology book, and, and it says about that verse, it says that uh, Scripture cuts into the hearts of men. It judges and sentences them. It convicts, converts, makes wise, and consoles in short. Its power to effect change in men evidences it to be revelation from God. When the Word of God changes our lives, that gives us evidence of a work that the Holy Spirit's done within and removed that heart of stone out of us and replaced it with that heart of flesh. And His Spirit dwells us and as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we become a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we start our process of sanctification, which will continue until we leave this earth to go home. And so with this brief introduction of Revelation, uh, next time we're going to get into the Church of Ephesus. And I'm excited about going through this. I hope it's going to be edifying to all that hear this and that we all might learn and grow thereby well i thank you for listening and if you have any questions or comments uh feel free to send me an email at discipleship ths at gmail.com and i will be glad to answer the questions or dig in the scripture with you to see if we can find the answer and i just thank you for your time And I just uh, would like to close this in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the word that you've given us uh, from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, We just thank you that you've revealed yourself through the pages of Scripture. And we thank you that you reveal yourself to us through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the salvation that you give to us undeserving sinners who are enemies of yours. And yet your word says that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. And we thank you for that. And we just pray, Lord, that as we open up your word and and go through these seven churches, that you might teach us, guide us, direct, and grow us, and uh, convict us of sin. Reveal anything to us in our own lives that we might be unaware of and help us to repent from it and to turn from it and to serve and to honor and to glorify you in all things as your people. We pray for those who may be lost. Uh, We just pray that your word might penetrate their heart, uh, that you might open their blind eyes and deaf ears and uh, show them your holiness and their wretchedness and that they need a Savior. They need the Lord Jesus Christ to bridge that gap between them and you, not just to save them from hell, but to restore that broken relationship to you. So we just pray, God, that you would save souls as only you can. We pray that you would just be glorified in whatever happens. 
and we thank you for every opportunity that you give us to share your gospel out in this world. We know that your word doesn't return void, and I just thank you that we can rest in your sovereignty and in your grace and your mercy, and we thank you for these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, until next time, I just pray that you would study the word, and may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.